Meeting Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. We're back at it again, PMC Beyond. Uh, today we can we continue our conversation about being a Shalom Church in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Can can somebody type Shalom in the chat box? Uh, anybody, everybody do it. Type shalom in the chat box. Shalom is a word uh, that refers to an ideal state of complete peace. And we can actually unpack that a little bit further to include things like healing and harmony and wholeness. And shalom is a concept that uh, that requires everyone to be on board because uh, we cannot have shalom if one of us is far off. Uh, we need each other shalom, an ideal state of complete peace, an ideal state where everyone's in together and there's wholeness and there's harmony and there's peace. Uh, shalom is a great word to consider, uh, and that's what we're getting into today. We've uh, we've been talking about it the last two weeks. We're talking about it today. We're going to continue to talk about it. We're talking about what does it mean to be a shalom church. Uh, in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, or uh, in your extension of who we are as as Beyonders. Uh, so um, today's angle, as we consider all of that, today's ang- angle is we are considering the Shalom Church, but we're zooming in on two characteristics. The church is holy, and the church is charismatic. The church is holy, and the church is is charismatic. And so first, we're going to talk about the church as holy. And then we're going to talk about uh, church as being charismatic. So let's get into it today. Uh, The church is holy. The church is also charismatic. And I just want you to keep in mind as we we get into this, uh, that we want to hold these two characteristics in healthy Tension. Like, like that's a key as we consider this topic. We want to hold these two char- characteristics and healthy tension. So um, let's consider this. Let's consider the church is holy. The church is holy. When it comes to this conversation about holiness, our entry point has to start with the triune God of our Bible. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we talk about holiness, we have to start with God. We don't want to start with us. We don't want to start with the church because the church is just filled with unholy things. Church history has many unholy moments, and and there are many moments that it's dark history, like, uh, it's ugly, it's bad. Uh, Today, we still have unholiness uh, things and uh, bad things in the church uh, and this this makes sense because the church is is people. The church is people, and I I like to say, hey, it's it's easy to critique the church because the church is people, and we know people have problems, right? But today we get to point to our amazing God, our God who is holy. And so when we look at ourselves. It's like, how, how dare we call ourselves holy? But again, we're, we're not looking at ourselves first. We're looking to God. And it is by the grace of God we get to call ourselves holy. Holy. Now, what does holy mean? Holy means sacred, 
I mean, set apart, dedicated. To put it simply here, Jesus is the holy human. Jesus is without blemish, spot, or wrinkle. We have all of those things, and and we have so many different versions of of blemishes and spots and wrinkles. Uh, But it is Jesus who was delivered over to death for us. Jesus is the one who irons out our wrinkles. Jesus washes us clean. Jesus redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse himself uh, for us. So, so Jesus, the one who knew no sin, he became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, so that we would have right standing with God. And you can't be holy without right standing with, with God. So Jesus and, and the Good Friday and Easter story, that is so important. The gospel is so central to our conversation today. I want you to know that the gospel is so central here. It is Jesus's total and final saving work. Jesus makes holiness possible for us. In Christ, we are washed clean. In Christ, uh, we have right relationship with God. In Christ, we have new life. We are made alive in the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God who gives us life, and we are set free from sin and death. And so now, if, if once we put the gospel uh, central, once we, we put holiness in the framework of God, once we have God as our starting point into this conversation, now as we look to us, the church, the church is a saved people group who are centered around Jesus and his gospel, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Group of people centered around Jesus, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 teaches that that Jesus Christ loves his church. Do you know that? Jesus Christ loves his church. And I just have this image of, of, of Jesus like doing laundry, you know, it's 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 one of one of the ways that I see Jesus loving and cleaning up his his church. It's like purchased by his own blood. The the, the church is cleaned up with the washing of the word. And it's like the Bible becomes like a, a big bar of soap and, and Jesus just scrubs us up and down. He uses the word uh, to speak to us, to edify us, to challenge us, to change us, to rebuke us. The word of God is alive. We are cleaned up. We are washed in the word. And so Jesus, he, he scrubs us up uh, because he wants to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. Jesus desires a blameless and holy church. Now, sometimes I think the tendency that we have um, the tendency that we have, we, we get this idea in our head that, okay, the church uh, is, is all these dirty artifacts that were lost, but now they're found, and they were cleaned up by Jesus Christ, and, and Jesus calls, calls us holy. We are, we are set aside, okay, but it kind of ends up being this museum-like mentality. 
And maybe every once in a while, the, the holy curator of the museum will get us out of our exhi exhibit and polish us up and check our humidity or, or, or whatever. But, but Jesus is washing us up. Jesus is working in us. But it's not for this passive museum-like faith, okay? It's, it, it is, there, it's way more and it's way better. In the Gospels, in John 17, 17, Jesus prays for his church, that God would sanctify them in the truth, okay? Sanctification is the process of making holy. Jesus prayed that the church would be sanctified in the truth. The word and the word made flesh are truth. In the New Testament, Peter reminds us that the Spirit is active and involved in sanctifying the church. In Acts 9, verse 31, we see the, the Spirit working in the church. And the Spirit helps the church navigate reverence of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And the Spirit brings peace and strength. And the Spirit also encourages the church. Again, it's, it's not in, uh, you got cleaned up and now you're just set aside and, and you wait for heaven. It's like, no, like we, we are cleaned up and we are empowered and we are strengthened and we are encouraged, not for a passive faith, but for an active faith. Now, bouncing over to, to Paul, this prayer request and blessing that Paul wrote uh, to the Christians in Thessaloniki, uh, he wrote this, that, that, that God himself, the God of peace himself, would, would personally sanctify the church completely. That the whole being, uh, our whole person, our, our spirit, our soul, our body may be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You can check it out. The church this community of sinners, forgiven because of the cross, and we are sustained in grace. But we are not sanctified to sit around in a museum. We are sanctified for a special purpose. You know, in Matthew 16, Jesus even says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This is not because of who we are. But this is because of who God is. So when we talk about the Holy Church, the Holy Church is a, ref is a reflection of who God is. It is a reflection of his holiness, his faithfulness. And so this is an amazing paradox. We sinners who just botch it time and time again, we sinners, we get to be called saints because of the grace of Jesus, because of the sanctifying work in, uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit in, in the church. That's amazing grace. Jesus, the Holy Spirit working in the life of the church. Now, briefly here, I will mention that the Holy Church has two sacraments to remind us of this paradox and, and story. The first one is is baptism. When a person uh, is saved, when they have that salvation knowledge at conversion, when a person believes in Jesus, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, they, they are immersed into the life of Jesus, into the life of 
the church, okay? And the, and the sacrament of, of baptism is the outward sign of what happened on the inside. So baptism is, is a reminder of this amazing paradox of what Jesus has done for us that, you know, we don't deserve this Holy Spirit, uh, but we are immersed into the life of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. The second sacrament sacrament is communion. Communion. Just think about that word, communion. All right, we commune with Jesus. We, re- we remember him. We remember ourselves uh, in light of the new covenant. We, we commune with each other. And this meal that, that Jesus has set aside for us, we share and hold in common that we are all sinners saved by amazing grace. And we are at the Lord's table, not by our own merit, but it's all about Jesus. The church is holy. The church is holy. And I think this mark of the church is so hard to demonstrate. But that kind of leads us to the second part of our message today. The church is holy, but we're not left alone in this task of trying to figure that out for ourselves. The church is also gifted. The church is charismatic. Charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma, which means free gift or or favor. Um, And so we can actually even break this word charismatic down to simply just the word uh, charis, which means grace, grace. And so the Holy Spirit sanctifies the church, but also blesses the church with gifts and fruit. And so there's the fruit of the Spirit, and there's also the gifts of the Spirit. And I think when we hold these two together, we get a vision of the charisma of Jesus. You know, in today's usage, um, when we say somebody has charisma, what's normally meant is that that person is charming, they're magnetic, they can influence easily, they have the special ability. And, and when I just think about charisma and, and, and uh, being charismatic, what really just stood out to me this this past week is is this high calling that is placed on the life of Plymouth Meeting Church. Because as Plymouth Meeting Church grows up in Christ, we start to look like Christ. We start to have the charisma of Christ. And I just think that is so cool that as we mature together, we become the embodiment. Like we, 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 we start to look like Jesus. And you know what? It takes all of us to look like Jesus, to, to capture that charisma of Christ. In economics, there's this principle called the Pareto principle. You might know it as the, the 80-20 rule. Uh, it, it actually applies to many disciplines, uh, but it's like when, when 20% of what you do leads to 80% of your results or, or something like that. Um, but when we're talking about the church seeking the fullness of Christ, the charisma of Christ, we don't want to apply the 80-20 rule here, okay? No, we need 100%. We need everyone to be all in, okay? 
We want everyone to be all in. So the Holy Church, it is filled with fruit. It is filled with people who have different spiritual gifts. And so let's talk about the spirit fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, this is where we, we actually find it. It's, it's a ninefold fruit, ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is the result of, of the Spirit working inside of us. Fruit is the, the evidence and the sanctification process that, okay, something is working inside of you. Uh, it is a supernatural work that is in opposition to the old human, the old man, the old woman. Okay, it's in opposition to the flesh. So let's take a look at it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There you have it. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Nine slices of fruit. And I actually invite you on your own or with, with a friend, uh, you know, a buddy, uh, on your own, do a word study for each one of these these fruit fruit slices, uh, go ahead and, and study and, and dig in. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Go ahead and 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 study that and and cross reference and and talk about these things. The good news is, as we grow in Christ, we can never show too much fruit. We can never show too much fruit because against such things, there is no law. And again, fruit is the evidence of Christian growth. It, it's, it's qualities that, that we cannot, uh, in, their, in their own fullness, produce on our own. It's, it's where we need the Holy Spirit. Can we love in our own strength? Sure. But to love like Christ, we need the Holy Spirit inside of us, changing us growing us, helping us to love like Jesus Christ. And so I just want to take a few moments here. I have three questions for you. Three questions for you to consider very briefly. Uh, maybe jot them down and then return to them uh, later today or something like that. But first one is this. Do you run from growth? Do you think you can't change? What slice of the fruit do you need God's help with today. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is not a law against such things. Now those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the Shalom Church is a holy church that is spirit, fruit, bearing. Does that sound good? So the Holy Church is a fruit-bearing church. The Holy Church is also gifted with spiritual gifts. And so uh, we just have a, 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 brief, a brief time today to give a, a little overview of spiritual gifts. Um, the Bible gives us some gift lists uh, in, the, in the New Testament, uh, but most scholars agree that these lists are not exhaustive, okay? So let's just take a look at them. From Romans 12, uh, we see a, a list of gifts that kind of look like basic functions, 
like prophecy, faith, service, teaching, exhorting, giving, generosity, leading, mercy. From 1 Corinthians 12, we see a list that's more like special abilities, like like wisdom and knowledge and faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. There's the gift of tongues or languages, the interpretation of tongues and languages. And then in Ephesians 4, uh, we see some gifts, but these are a little bit different. They, they, They are indeed gifts, but they're more like offices of the church or, or like ministry bases uh, for, for the church. You have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So God, so God gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. For the common good. In 1 Corinthians 14, we see that gifts are given to the church uh, so that the church may be built up. Spiritual gifts are for edification. Now, nobody has all of the gifts, but just as all parts of the body are important, every gift is important. And the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to, to each person as the Spirit wills. Every Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift. I like to assume that we actually have more gifts uh, you know, available to us, but you have at least one primary gift. Now, importantly, turning to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 it really lays out our thinking around spiritual gifts. Let's take a look at it here. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So God has entrusted you with a gift, maybe more than one, but God has trusted you with a gift. But did you notice it's not just for you to have, again, you are not just some cleaned up museum artifact that's waiting for heaven. This gift is not just for you, but it it is to serve others. We are to be good stewards with the varied grace of God. And Peter, he really helps us think about our gifts here. If you speak, speak God's word. If you serve, serve in God's strength. I'm sure if he, if he went on, it's like if you prophesy, prophesy with uh, the prophecy from the Spirit, like speak on God's behalf. You know, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Now you ask why? Well, good question. Ultimately, it is for God's glory. God gives us gifts and we use them for others. May God be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. And so a Shalom church is a God-glorifying church. We need each other. We need each others for us to know who we are. We need each others 
for, for us to be able to execute our gifts, for us to, to, to grow in our gifts. You know, ministry is, is hard for many reasons, but one reason, I believe, is because people neglect or they diminish the role of, of just gathering together in community. And I'm not even talking about the pandemic right now, like, like this cultural moment that we're living through right now. Like, I'm, like, that's not even on the table, like just in general, like long before the pandemic was even a thing, right? Like the church needs each other. And, I, and I'm not laying out some new law for you that you need to be at every church uh, function and every worship time and every prayer gap. I'm, just in general, we need each other. And you know, one of my biggest takeaways from when I was working in youth ministry, uh, it, it was just the importance of showing up. There were so many youth groups or uh, events with the church. Uh, there, there were so many times I would think, man, if, if just more kids would show up, uh, if more parents were involved, if, if, if we just had just a few more kids show up, then this game, this activity that what we had planned would be so much more fuller, so much more complete. Our small group time would be more dynamic. It's like, man, if, if we just had, if, if, if people would just show up, like this would be awesome. And of course, you, you honor with who does show up and you, you love on them and, and, and you know, you're, you're there and you're present, right? But, but the importance of showing up, the importance of, of being involved, we need each other to, to help us learn and grow in maturity in our spiritual gifts. And so, what are your spiritual gifts? What's your charisma? What has God entrusted you to steward well for his glory and for the building up of others? So if you want to discover your gifts, for starters, I encourage you to study the different gifts found in the Bible. As you study the fruit of the Spirit, go ahead and study the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. There are resources available that can walk you through the different spiritual gifts. I just encourage you to, to self-educate or, again, you know, find a buddy or or uh, you know, form a little small group and, and talk about these, these things. Self-educate about each gift. And as you notice, uh, some will be more interesting and complex to talk about. Now second, think about what activities you really enjoy doing. Think about things that you have done in ministry, at work, in life, that have made a huge impact, like, like, like something you, you did, it just made a huge positive impact in someone else's life, All right? So think about those things. Third, invite others into the conversation. Simply ask, you know, people that, that know you pretty well, hey, you know, what do you think my gifts are? You know, invite others into that process. Four, take spiritual assessment tests. There are different ones online. Uh, some of them are free. I'm sure. I'm sure you have to pay for others. Um, if you're really into this, 
take like three of them and, and compare the results, right? Um, you know, they are man-made assessments, but hey, they, they might help you get dialed in and, and might help you know a little bit about yourself. Five, from Ephesians chapter four, I encourage you to learn more about uh, what, what we short as uh, APEST, uh, the apostles, prophet, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Uh, learn more about your ministry style, okay? I believe that, that God has distributed, distributed uh, these forms of gifts, these, these ministry bases to his church. God has buckets of grace for us, all right? But we got to know where to stand for the downpour. APES helps us understand how we are wired for ministry. For example, I'm an apostolic teacher with a shepherding bent, okay? There are certain areas in ministry that make me feel alive and just so dynamic in the spirit that there are times where I just get really clicked in and that's me operating out of my gifts and graces. And the same can be true for you. You can certainly find out your gifts, find out about how God made you, how God wired you. And if you're really interested in this stuff, please have a conversation with me. Send me an email, a text, a phone call. Get in touch. We have assessments for you. Um, and and it's, it, it's so good um, learning who you are, your, your ministry base. I, I, I'm a big advocate for APES assessments. Um, like, I want you to take your APEST test. Please contact me if you're interested in finding out, hey, are you, are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you an evangelist, shepherd, teacher? Like, who, who are you? How, how did God wire you? Okay. So as we put all these together, you know, study the gifts. Uh, think about things that you enjoy or things that you have done that have impacted others. Bring others into the conversation. Take some spiritual get uh, some, some spiritual tests. You know, uh, dive in deep with with APEST. Um, kind of wrapping all of this up now. When we know who we are and how God made us, when we develop and mature in our gifts and graces, when we serve each other, when we are faithful stewards, the church begins to look like Jesus. And it's easy to call people names. It's easy to tear people down, to bully others, to lord power over others, but that's not supposed to be us. We have a high calling. The Shalom Church is a holy church that bears spirit a church that is gifted with spiritual gifts for the building up of its saints and for the glorification of God through Jesus Christ. We are holy because God says so in Jesus Christ. And if there is anything that I want you to remember today, I want you to just think about this. We are a group of individual charismas who make up a unique local charisma expression. And the good news is Jesus has already given us everything we need to be successful as a church. We have 
the charisma, the gifts, the free gifts, the free grace of Jesus Christ. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to be successful. So we need you. We need each other. We need, we need to continue to contemplate being a holy church that is gifted and ready to live out this amazing, wild, active faith. That's what we have today. We'll see you next week. God bless PMC Beyond.